Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 274 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is June 10th, 2013. We've got a great show for you coming up on the podcast. The big news out of USC on Friday. Incoming freshman Stephen Mitchell blows out his knee during a summer workout. We'll talk with Dan Weber, who was there, about that injury a little bit later on the show. We'll get Harvey Hyde's reaction. a direct relation to the rant that he went on last week about the summer workout. So that should be very interesting. If you have questions or comments, email us, podcast at uscfootball.com or call 206-888-6755. Leave a voicemail there or write on peristylepodcast.com, left side of the page. Click there and leave a voicemail right from your computer. Coach Harvey Hyde, what's going on, sir? Thanks for joining us. How are you? Good morning. I almost start like you are. There you go. Good morning. <laughs> Everything is great, man. How are you feeling? Don't worry about me. You've been you had quite a weekend. Yeah, I was in uh, Chicago for the Rivals 100 Five Star Challenge since Wednesday, and ended up uh, getting bumped off a flight. Flew to San Diego, rented a car, drove to L.A., but I'm back, ready for the show. So we should be okay with that. Uh, but I wanted to before we jump in, we got a lot to get to with the coach. Want to thank Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. 1-800-888-7287 is their number, or go to sctickets.com. I was about to say, no more no more Los Angeles King tickets. Uh, unfortunately, I saw that game unfold in Chicago, and I could hear the screams from my hotel room of everyone in the lobby, at the lobby bar watching the game. Obviously, a lot of Blackhawk fans there, but still lots of activities going on here in Southern California. You can use sctickets.com for that. They've been really nice to us, and Coach, last week, I think when I just when I just said hello, you started what going on a rant, and uh, before long, one of those rants talked about these uh, summer workouts and they're doing too much and they shouldn't be doing this and they shouldn't have the football as much as they do. They need some time off, and lo and behold, you know, a few days later, uh, you see a, a promising young player, Stephen Mitchell, go down to a devastating knee injury. I, I know you have some thoughts on this, so I wanted to talk to you and and, and hear what you had to say. Well, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. First of all, that's very unfortunate. Uh, Steve Mitchell, I've been following him for the past two years in the high school passing leagues and during his senior se- uh, season, and he's just an outstanding player. I mean, he's a kid that is going to be a superstar. In fact, in your summer videos you've been showing, he's been dominating. I don't want to say dominating, but he's been very difficult to cover. And I know everybody likes him for what he is and who he is and what he's accomplished. And, you know, like I mentioned last week, it's unfortunate. These kids, you know, they 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 always have a, a – sure, you're going to get better. Let's don't say you're going to get better as far as the knowledge of the game, but you're always at risk. And do you want to put your star athletes at risk? Is it worth the risk to go out there and – run all these routes and throw the ball and and uh it's for such a long period of time now I'm not talking about not starting like two weeks or 
uh, before camp where you get back together and reunite and get fired up. And you're going to see each other in the weight room and quarterbacks could work on quarterback drills during the summer by themselves and all the techniques that are necessary, maybe have a center out there to snap the ball and get used to the feel of the quarterback, the shotgun. These things are all necessary, but the rest of them are keep them in agility drills and the, and the weight room and get them hungry for, for football. You've got to be hungry for whatever you do. And, uh, and it's very unfortunate here this happens. It's happened before during the summer workouts. I can't go back and think specifically who it was with, but it's happened before. So there's always a risk factor every time you go on the practice field. And I, and I mentioned to you before there's been more players hurt that I can remember in non-contact contact drills or contact practices than in actually physical practices. So, uh, you know. I mean, the George Farmer injury, Coach, that, that was – people were asking about that. George Farmer got injured on uh, Howard Jones Field. That was in grass. Um, it wasn't a, it was just running, really going for a route. It wasn't a severe cut. Now, Stephen Mitchell was doing one-on-ones and, and took a pretty severe – cut but certainly those are the biggest injuries that we've seen in the program in the last you know several months and both of them were were non-contact and uh what before i let you keep going on coach stephen poway had wrote in before the stephen mitchell injury about this he was calling on your rant he talked about like matt barkley and robert woods really got in sync so like you the point you made they did get better in some of these workouts it helped it helped them a lot and he said he's willing to concede that maybe both of these both these workouts have kind of gone too far in order to, quote-unquote, feed the beast that has become the Internet with fans dying for information in the offseason. But if they've gone too far, so did Coach Hyde last week in his 30-minute rant. Jeez, fight on Stephen Poway. But this was before, obviously, the Stephen Mitchell thing. I wonder if Steve thinks about that differently now and want to get your thoughts. Well, I don't know if he does or not. Of course, he has his is his opinion, as I have my opinion, and I respect his opinion. But having been a coach and knowing what these kids are doing, not in the summers, but what they've had to do leading up to the summers, as far as the spring practices, the extended seasons, the all-star games, the camps they've had to go to, they really have never finished playing football coming out of high school since uh, their final game and then immediately starting camps and passing leagues and all the things they've done for the last four years. People need a break. And then the kids that are in school, you know, uh, they've had spring practice, final exams. They need a time for their body to rest and recover like most of us do. So, you know, there's different ways of doing it. And I've said this, coaches seem to want to say, if they're doing it, we got to do it. If they have this, we got to have this. I mean, and, and this is just something that continually is getting more and more and more and more. of. And I think there's a limit. I really do. Next year's USC's game schedule, potentially 15 games, which we all hope for, because that means you went to a bowl game or, and, and all of the above. But uh, it just keeps going. That's one game short of an NFL football, regular football season. Yeah. So it's getting longer and longer and longer. And I know we all love football. We love to watch football. But I think you've got to think of the kids and who they are and what's going on and and uh, that. That's all. Me, I'm a different type of coach. I was a player's coach, okay? I had concerns of my players and their welfare. 
I wanted them to be a happy camper, and I felt in return they would pay, that would pay off for me. So that's the way I did it, and everybody can do it their own way. <laughs> All right, Coach. Uh, thanks very much. Let's go to – we had some rants, I think, kind of going on here. Here's one. Uh, yeah, I think you might like this. Uh, a voicemail question for you, Coach. Yeah, this is Richard from uh, Toluca Lake. I'm going to comment on what uh, the coach was raving and ranting about last week. Uh, I don't understand how the athletic department can raise the prices on the tickets 15% after they've gone 7 and 6. And then I've had parking for season passes on the campus for over 30 years, and they're not providing any season passes or any parking on campus this year. Maybe you guys can explain it. The other thing with Pat Hayden, uh, I think he's running scared, uh, doesn't know what to do with Kiffin. Better have a coach in place uh, if we go another 7 and 6 because uh, it's going to get ugly. Thanks. Bye. Well, there's a man after my own heart. There's a guy that's not afraid to say what he believes, and I appreciate that. I, I like that. And uh, I sometimes uh, think that when people make decisions on ticket increases, prices, parking passes being eliminated or being charged for them, I think they deserve an explanation. I think they need to say why and the purposes for it, because people understand when certain things happen. Well, if we don't do this, you can't get this, or we won't be able to do that. Uh, yes, we didn't have a great season. Uh, if we'd have been last year 13-0, and 0, you could have probably charged whatever you wanted. But I think that when you, when you handle your alumni or handle football fans, they're the ones that pay the bills. I know you get great revenues from TV and marketing and all of that, but the guy that's the happy camper out there is the one that sells your program. He's the one that has great communication with parents and alumni, and you want them to be happy and support your program. And, you know, if you just said, okay, you're going to charge 15 more, but you're all going to get a USC T-shirt and you're going to do this or do that or have something else, you justify it not just throw a, a, a increase on there. Now, I don't, I don't buy season tickets, so I don't know. Maybe they had done that. Maybe they did explain why they're putting the money on there. But I think you, you have to be careful as far as the way you treat your fans, as the way you treat your team, because you've got to have everything clicking to have a successful program. Obviously, if you win people are going to come and they're not going to be so concerned about the ticket prices or parking passes, except uh, I think that people need to know why or why you can't give them those passes anymore. So, you know, Ryan, I get to the game really early. You do too. And uh, I don't go through a lot of the parking problems that people have. But I, I think that the guy that asked this question has a good good reason to ask it. And uh, I think they, there should be answers to this. And as far as him, Pat Hayden, running scared, I don't know if he's running scared, but I tell you, when are they going to hire a baseball coach? Or are they <laughs> going to keep the baseball coach? Or are they wait till recruiting's done? Then they'll, they'll bring in a new coach. Or do they, have they... Or have they contact to the coach that's already in the playoffs and they're waiting to find out 
if he's going to win the NCAA or whatever, but at least communicate what's going on there. Uh, because people ask me that question all the time. Hey, coach, what's happening with baseball? I say, hey, I got enough problems just worrying about football <laughs> and, and the other things. But what is happening with baseball? I mean, he was hired as an interim coach uh, on the fact of how he was going to do. Now, if he did what Pat Hayden thought was necessary, then come out and make that statement. But I think people need to be told and advised the same as the parking passes, on passionate fans and people who give to the university on what situation is what. No, I think that makes perfect sense, Coach, which obviously that hasn't – some of the stuff that's been going on down there at Heritage Hall I don't think has made perfect sense, so I think that hopefully that will help out some of the fans out there, and we'll, uh, we, we're all waiting. We're waiting to see what happens with baseball. We're waiting to see what happens this season. I get questions all the time about Lane Kiffin. Will he still be around? Um, but there's there's always been a lot of negative, you know, lately with the, the season that the team had, some negative questions and, and negative comments regarding Lane Kiffin. You know, we all know that. But there's some positive stuff, too. And I, this was an interesting uh, statement from Donald in Florida. I want to read that to you. He says, uh, with all the discussion going on with Notre Dame and the release of Eddie Vanderdoes, uh, it again brought up the negative stigma that Lane Kiffin can't seem to shake. Notre Dame would not give Vanderdose a release, so he's going to have to sit out a year. Some are saying that what he should have—that's what he should have to do. But many others are up in arms that the coach, like Kelly, who switched teams right before a bowl game, wouldn't let him transfer without without a penalty. And he said this reminds me of Sean Charles Henderson situation a couple of years ago. Number one prospect in the country, signed with USC before the season. Uh, you know, all the he, the sanctions hit, and then he was he wanted out. Central wanted out. Lane Kiffin could have held him to his word and signature, but he did the right thing and let the kid go. So my question, finally, I know, is why doesn't Kiffin get any love from the media for the things he does right? I still have to hear about the deflated balls and what a slime ball he is. Two seasons ago, he took a team with nothing to play for to a ten and two record. He didn't just forget how to do that. Hopefully, this year he can quote unquote shut everyone up. Fight on, Donald, in Florida. Well, I hope he can, too. That means we, uh, or SC has a great season. And I think that's the way you do prove uh, that. You sort of, uh, you know, when you win, that solves all your pro- uh, problems, okay? Uh, uh, you forget the, the running back, Carlisle, that he released. Uh, Amir Carlisle, too. Yeah. He released the Notre Dame. He's going to play against him this year. Yeah. Everyone that now, wanted to transfer, they've, they've given a release. Kyle, Kyle Prater, whoever it was. I mean, they've never blocked anybody. Right. Now, you know, let me give you my opinion. I'm not a, against releasing someone. And I have done that. When I was at UNLV, I released three players to go to San Diego State. When I went there, because they didn't believe in my philosophy. And they played against us, but they never beat us. <laughs> I wanted to go across at the end of the game and say, do you wish you stayed? <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, you have to think about it. Uh, you know, when you're going to play against a team and you release one of your good players to them, boy, that's what you call great PR. Uh, but do you want a player on your team to be unhappy? Do you want parents and coaches out there that you're going to recruit other new players from unhappy because you wouldn't release them. Uh, Brian Kelly, uh, 
I think released him, didn't release him from the letter of intent, but released him from the scholarship, if I remember this correctly. Figured out where he can be on scholarship, but he has to sit out a year and can't play. That, that's just hurting the kid. That doesn't make sense. They're not playing UCLA, I don't think, in the near future. Uh, he should have been able to release that kid. I mean, you've got to look at the big picture and say, hey, the kid's not happy. He wanted to go there. Let him go there. I just wish he'd let him go to SC. He <laughs> would have wanted to go to SC because I tell you, that's a big time player. I think it's a big time. He would he would have played nose guard at SC. He's he's what SC is looking for. So SC lot of lots of great player there. UCLA picked up a great player, but they're going to have to wait a year. And I think they should have released him. That's my feeling on that. But I think you have to be smart on how you handle that as a football coach and the administration. All right. Uh, we had one other question to get to. Here's another voicemail one for you, Coach. Hi, my name is Craig, first-time caller from Kentucky, and I just had a coach from Harvey Hyde. Um, I just saw the highlights of the spring game, and I was just wondering what his take was on this barely one-hand-touch football that they're playing. Um, one of my favorite things about USC was that they used to play so physical and I don't understand why nothing is changing because I think there's, if there's been one constant through Lane Kiffin's tenure here, his tackling has been pretty bad. So I don't understand why they wouldn't change something uh, practice-wise to help, I guess, get better at that. Um, I understand that there's sanctions, but typically you're not replacing those guys if there was an injury with your scholarships that are 76 through 85. So, once again, I appreciate what you all are doing, and fight on. Well, thank you very much for your question. You sold goal. You believe in what I believe in. I believe you learn how to play football by playing football. I think you can talk about it. You can draw it up on the wall. You can talk about all these reads you're going to do. But you got to play football to get better to be a football player. You learn how to tackle when you go at full speed, not form tackling in a drill or one-on-one. You don't learn learn how to cover when uh, you know it's all passing drills and you don't have to worry about the run. You don't learn how to pass rush when you know it's a pass every time and you're going one-on-one like you do in these camps and at practice and you're just doing pass rush. Yes, you're telling your offensive lineman if you can block him now when he knows it's pass, you can block him when he doesn't know it's pass. But you have unfair advantages on both sides of the ball, and you've got to learn how to do it when in a football game, when you don't know what's going on. I think you, um, for myself, when I coached, our spring practice was the most physical practices of, that we had. We had a longer time to recover, repair ourselves. We had our spring practices early so that if somebody unfortunately was hurt, they were able to have a long period of time to recover. And, and and rehab up and be ready to go for the season. Uh, I thought that when you don't tackle, you, you can't teach tackling unless you're going full speed. You can't teach blocking unless you're blocking full speed. You can't teach running backs how to uh, run uh, and hit the hole unless it's full speed. And how do you know if a play was right or wrong? Because no one's going at the same tempo. Everyone thinks the tempo is different. How, what is full speed? not tackling. Well, some people think it's this this level or this speed. 
One, somebody's going 110%, someone's going 80%. You're not getting a true picture of what you're trying to accomplish. So I think you've got to hit, we've talked about it before, serious injuries. I've seen more serious injuries in, in shorts and shimbles and shoulder pads and no hitting than I've seen in the actual game itself or spring practice or spring games. And you've got to scrimmage situations. So kids know what's on the line and they gain confidence in third and long or fourth and short or first downs necessary here or we got to have a touchdown. And it challenges both the offense and the defense to uh, obtain their goals. I agree 100%. And I don't care what the numbers are either. you got to become a better football team, especially if I was in the position FC is where every single game is so important you got to go for it. you got to go for it. This has got to be a banner season. The kids know it's got to be a banner season. Just like recruiting and signing or offering eighth graders. <laughs> I mean, hell, I wish I knew I was going to be there that long when I was coaching to offer to eighth graders. I mean, uh, that type of stuff when you're an established program, USC, and you think you got to offer it when the kid's in the eighth grade and hadn't even played a high school down yet? <laughs> I, I don't know. To me, that stuff's ludicrous. I was going to ask you about that, Coach. We do have a story on our front page. Uh, yeah, it's, his name is Nathan Tilford, 2017 recruit, class of 2017. So the incoming freshmen are class of 2013. The juniors to be seniors that I was watching this past weekend are class of 2014, and there were some 2015s in there. But this is a 2017. Uh, now, USC did have uh, their camps over the weekend, um, skill and lineman camp. So uh, there's uh, you get to see them in person. But I, I kind of agree with you, Coach. That might be a little too early. Well, I'll tell you better, I, I would be spending most of my time on who's going to make a difference next year and who's going to make a difference the following year if I'm fortunate enough to have a great enough season to be around. Uh, I think it's great, but I'd be talking or, or talking with players who who uh, I need to spend some time with as far as getting quality athletes for this coming recruiting season than worrying about what an eighth grader is doing. Uh I mean, you know, if they like to do that and do those type of things, that's great. That's great projection. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny that David, uh, coach. Just, I mean, full disclosure here. David Sills was the the quarterback that was offered in the seventh or eighth grade, whatever it was. Like, Gerard, we we refused to even talk about him until he became like a, a relevant player, and then we saw him in January. He's the teammate of two of the current guys on USC's roster that just came in you know Kenny Bigelow the early enrollee and Khalil Rogers uh, defensive tackle and offensive lineman uh, respectively and it's funny because I saw him you know in person got to you know shake his hand and say hello he looked like a big like a a quarterback he's a little thin but he's filled out fairly well up up top I think he still needs to work on his lower body definitely looks like a quarterback is getting taller and it's funny that I don't know if I would have been able to look at him and seventh or eighth grade and say, well, that guy's going to look like a college quarterback someday. But he, to, to Kiffin's credit, he's starting to look like that. But uh, And you got a couple guys that were his teammates. I, I, I mean, you don't know everything behind it, but 
maybe there's some kind of method to his madness. I'm not really sure. Well, I'm not sure. I think Steve Clarkston is the one that recommended him to Lane Kiffin. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's great. Uh, you know, that's another topic I won't talk about yet, but how can you worry about those things now, that far in advance? And uh, you better take care of today's business and uh, worry about your current players, them academically, athletically, physically, happy, ready to play, uh, your staff rested, ready to get into a great season. You know, these are the things you have to attend to right now, having a relationship with your players, talking to each one of them individually, hugging them, let them know that you really do care about them. That's why I spend my time. I spend my time there, not with an eighth grader or somebody that's way down the line, and nothing against a kid. I mean, I'm going to tell them, if you're a parent, be excited about it. I think that's tremendous. But if I'm in a, a football situation where I have to win today, and that's what football coaches have to do is win today, you're only as good as your last game, then I'd be spending time on that. All right. Well, Coach, we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your thoughts, not pulling any punches. We love it. We got some reaction, and we love that too. So if you like what Coach Harvey had to say, you didn't like it, whatever, just write us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Let us know. We'll love to talk about it. We won't pull any punches either. But thanks again, Coach, uh, for coming on and uh, – it was a lot of fun. And thank you for all of you out there that listen and also the ones that send in your questions. It helps us through this period of time, and we'd like to answer what you want to know. So, again, thank you. Have a great week. All right. Thanks again, Coach. And everyone else, hey, back in 30 seconds, we're going to talk with Dan Weber about the Steve Mitchell situation and a whole lot more. Stay tuned. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Got Dan Weber, USCFootball.com, beat writer, joining the show. And uh, while I was in Chicago for the Rivals 100 five-star challenge, the, the team held another summer workout, and Dan happened to be there. Some some big news came out of that. So, Dan, welcome. And I guess we wanted to, uh, I guess, jump into that and ask you about what happened. Yeah, it's really a shame. Uh, Stephen Mitchell's been kind of a bright, bright light uh, freshman wide receiver who uh, you know was coming to, even though he was an early entry kid. You know, you would see him at at spring ball, and then uh, as soon as they started the uh, uh, post spring workouts, he was there every day, uh, and he was having a great day again. He's just a very mature kid with with all kinds of skills and, and great great feet great hands, uh, you know, and, and, and made a couple of spectacular plays already on Friday and then, uh, you know, did like a right-left-right, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, planted twice and then came back to the right on a on a sideline route and just went right down and grabbed his knee in a way that he just know 
you know, this is bad. And it, it was pretty obvious he was, you know, in pain and the players were, you know, real shook up as, you know, it's just hard to see a kid that has done, you know, put in so much and, you know, certainly, uh, there, there, you know, there was a place for him as a slot receiver, just that, you know, he just had created, you know, that kind of a bond with uh, the quarterbacks, uh, you know, I'm going to get open, I'm going to run the right route, I'm going to catch the ball, and I'm going to, you know, uh, advance afterwards. Uh, you know, you, you couldn't ask anymore. Uh, he, he's everything advertised, you know, that he, he was and could be. And uh, now he will uh, uh, will miss the, uh, you know, 2013 season with, uh, you know, with surgery on his right uh, ACL. Uh, it's a shame. Uh, did the, you know, did his cleats catch maybe a little bit, the plant? It didn't seem to, uh, it, it didn't seem to give, uh, you know, you're on the Cromwell field turf and, uh, you know, these kids are just, doing things at, at very high speed and then really, you know, putting a lot of pressure on themselves. They're really, I mean, it's the kind of injury probably only a really, really special athlete, uh, you know, could suffer because only a special athlete could probably plant that hard going that fast, uh, going in, you know, in an opposite direction. Uh, and, uh, you know, it needs it. it you know the ligament didn't hold up, uh, and uh, it's it just uh, you know it's kind of you know devastating for the kids. They were you know very uh, very upset about him, and you know formed a circle around, and a lot of them were down on their knees saying a prayer. It wasn't one of those ones where maybe he'll be okay. Uh, I don't think anybody felt you know felt that that there was it was pretty obvious. Uh, uh, from watching, you know, the actual play, and then watching his reaction, that that that, that you know, this was it was not going to be good. And uh, all we can do is hope uh, he just seems like the kind of kid <clears throat> that can overcome something like if if anybody can overcome something like this, Stephen Mitchell, from everything we've seen of him since he's been here, uh, will be the kind will be the, the kid who can overcome it. And who knows? You know, you hate to say, you know how this might work out. Maybe maybe it'll work out for the better that, that they'll need him, you know, more, way more next year than this year. Maybe they'll, you know, have enough uh, uh, weapons, you know, with uh, talk about, you know, with the three tight ends and, you know, five uh, scholarship wide receivers now, you know, to speculate from my, you know, perspective as a slot receiver, it would certainly uh, possibly leave a place for Buck Allen, uh, who, if you watch uh, the videos, is just a, you know a spectacularly good receiver, catch and run, and uh, and that might be a a way. I know USC probably uh, after uh, you know knowing all that that Buck has done in terms, of especially catching the ball, uh, trying to find a place for for where where he could go, so maybe that's a possibility. I don't know, but um, it really is a sad, sad day, uh, you know, for USC football for, and for Stephen Mitchell. Yeah, you mentioned the videos, Dan, and, and we put up a couple of the videos from Friday's workout, and you can see Stephen Mitchell. Obviously, we didn't put a video up of, of the injury or anything, but you could see him, the plays he was making. 
I mean, it, it's indicative of if you haven't watched the other videos, go back and watch these two. You can see the kind of player he was. He just seemed to fit in like he's been in the program for a couple of years. Yeah, mature way beyond his years. I mean, did not in any way. I mean, he's a you know he's a freshman. He hasn't been to you know uh, well, I guess uh, hasn't been a regular class, you know, a summer school class or two. But basically, he's just you know brand new to the program. And you just think, wow, you know, can you get that lucky, uh, you know, year after year after year with, you know, one of these, uh, you know, special kids uh, who comes into the program, you know, that's, uh, you know, advanced beyond his years. You know, you had Robert Woods and then, uh, uh, you know, uh, and obviously Marquise Lee and, uh, you know, uh, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Stephen Mitchell coming along. you know, I mean, kids that, you know, from, from, from the, you know, before they even get here, um, they're ready to go and, and leaders and kind of kids that everybody respects because of their work ethic and their talent and, and just that combination of things that, uh, you know, I, I do think, I do think, um, one of the areas that it, it, it might, you know, take some scrambling to replace Steven is, is because of his, his smarts and his sure handedness and his great feet. I do think there was a place for him as a return guy, and uh, you know, especially a punt return guy, and um, and and that uh, you know they're gonna you know that'll that'll cause some uh, you know looking at who who could do that. I mean, his sure-handedness is just uh, you know special, but the, the combination of the sure hands and the really good feet, he he has just yeah you know, like dancer's feet. I mean, he's just got that just great great feet you know uh more like a more like a robert woods in, in terms of his feet than say uh marquise and nelson uh he's got more more of that just that tap 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 you know just real good uh control uh of his feet and um just that kind of a you know the kind of thing that that really can help you as a uh, as a punt returner for example so uh so that may be hard to find somebody um who's so you know seems so ready to to uh, to step in, uh, you know, as a young guy. All right. Well, we wish we wish uh, Stephen Mitchell the best and uh, speedy recovery. We'll guys, we'll keep you updated on what's going on with him when he goes through surgery and all of that. But thanks for the update, Dan. Um, another question we had. This is about a player who could be returning to the team as opposed to uh, not being able to to play anymore. Here's the here's our uh, voicemail question for you. J.D. from D.C. Got a question for Dan this week. Dan, uh, since there's a possibility Abe Markowitz might return, which would be great news, where would you see him slotting in on the depth chart in this line? What position? And uh, you think he could break into the uh, starting uh, crew, given his experience, if he stayed in shape? Uh, J.D., uh, I think that's a good question. I think the one real asset that, that uh, Abe brings, uh, coming back for his sixth year, kind of a mature mature kid, a leader, kind of a coach on the field, even now when he uh, just got into summer school and is sort of, you know, kind of like a semi-member uh, of the team, not exactly all the way back. They still haven't decided what, what is going to happen with his situation. But, uh, but he kind of serves as a – sort of a role model and a kind of an advisor. Uh, he, he, you know, afterwards, uh, when they're doing one-on-ones, he'll, he'll start snapping with the quarterbacks to develop that kind of a rapport. He's, he's a very solid, very, 
uh, excellent technician as a snapper, both, um, both, uh, you know, with the quarterback under, under the center or the, uh, or the shotgun. Um, uh, you can't ever have too many of those guys, but basically he, he, he's, he's competent to play all three inside positions, both guard and, uh, and center. I think what that does is it allows, um, um, coach Summers to coach in a way where, you know, maybe they didn't have the ability last year because there weren't, there wasn't anybody pushing anybody wasn't anybody behind anybody and you didn't have that competition that daily uh weekly you know game to game competition now abe abe has won starting positions in two different years and then the one year you know he broke his foot unfortunately the you know a couple of days after he won a starting spot for a game that you know would have where they would have opened in hawaii at home and then um he started a couple of games last year so uh so he, he basically gives you another starting quality uh, offensive lineman with a lot of experience. So, uh, for example, and, and, and this people I don't think about, think about this, had Abe uh, not had that goofy end-of-the-game injury at, uh, on the turf at, at the Meadowlands, he would have been able to start play the uh, Stanford game. And, uh, and USC would have won the game. I mean, I don't think we can even say in, in any – any other way than that? Had, had Abe uh, started that game, USC probably wins. You know, beat Stanford. How that changes maybe the entire season. Uh, so uh, just having him around or a player like Abe changes a lot of things. And so, uh, so I think uh, you know he's got that potential on all three of those spots. I, I don't know that I necessarily see him as at um, either you know as a potential back up at either the tackle spots, he's, he, ne- he never really played there. But just having him around, having a, a veteran, a leader, uh, he's an insurance policy, and he may be a starter. Uh, and, and, and just I think he makes everybody else better by him being there. So, uh, you know, and when you're going into the season with maybe 69 scholarships, to have a kid that could play, you know, three different spots and a, a, a former starter and a six-year player, uh, I, I don't, you know, you can't ask for any more than that. And and so I think uh, Abe had some minor surgery to tighten up his shoulder where he did where he did get that injury uh, against against Syracuse. And then uh, uh, he's really, uh, I think, really trying to, you know, spend the summer getting himself in as good a shape as he can get himself into. And obviously he's, you know, looking at at the next level and he wants to play at that next level. And so much of that will be determined by, you know, what he does this year. So uh, I guess uh, – and he really wants to be at USC. I mean, you know, he's a kid that said, I'd rather pay to go to USC than take a scholarship. He's been offered some scholarships, full scholarships somewhere else. Uh, so he's willing to, you know, to pay uh, to come to USC next year, even though he would he would be, you know, offered or could be, has been, and it's a difficult situation right now with him because of the timing, uh, because it's getting later and later, and for other teams to you know decide uh, to make an offer now. Uh, so what you hope is that USC can can make the decision: we're going to bring him back, or we can't bring him back. One or the other. Uh, they've been told by the NSA we understand that they can bring him back. There will be a penalty. Uh, whether that penalty is, you know, it's one scholarship, we understand. Where that scholarship comes off, we're not sure. 
Is it off the 75 or is it off the uh, 20 uh, of the early entry in next year's recruiting class? We think it's off the 75. Uh, in a way, that would be unfair. Uh, you know, if Abe's got to pay his way back and then they take another scholarship away, uh, basically you're taking a scholarship away from the last walk-on who would have gotten one. It certainly seems uh, totally unfair for the NCAA to say USC made a mistake or USC didn't do this right or whatever their, you know, their justification for this is, and then say, but to make it right, we're going to make Abe pay twenty-five dollars or $30,000 in tuition for the first semester. We're going to make some other walk-on kid pay, you know, whatever, $55,000 for next year. And, and that will make it right. Yeah, yeah, that will make it right. <laughs> That's, there's the NCA for you. I mean, just think about that. Think about someone came up with, this is the way to make it right. It's just, so, again, USC has to decide, are they going forward with this? Uh, or not. Uh, Abe is in summer school, so they, at the very last minute on Thursday, got him in summer school in a uh, an internship class, which allows him to uh, to uh, accept his stipend for uh, June and July. So now he's got a place to, or he'll be able to get a place to live, and won't have to live out of his you know car and off of you know friends' couches. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, USC you know feels some urgency about you know getting this. Uh, getting this decided all right uh thanks for that dan let's see we have a question from rundy he's like oh he wants to know it's pretty simple we like the simple ones rundy um who are the uh, graduate assistants right now and and then i looked on the official usc trojans page and they only have um uh sorry who i forget who they listed they listed uh ross cumming as special teams and linebackers coach, but I don't see any other uh, graduate assistant I, names there. I don't know if you've got any update on. You that. know what? I don't. They haven't announced them all, and I've asked if we could we see guys around. And and there is a question of uh, is so and so going to be an administrative assistant? And uh, uh, one, and so we haven't publicized that yet because we haven't gotten an absolute because they. You know, they have to take the graduate record exam. They have to be accepted as, uh, as uh, you know, full-blown uh, uh, graduate students and all of that. I know, let's see, I'm trying to think, uh, they brought in a young man from Florida. Why can I not think of his name right now? As an administrative assistant. And they, they're able to do that where they're not technically, uh, you know, coaching graduate assistants. Uh, and then they brought, let's see. They're still not listing them. So no, yeah. that's a good, I, we will give you the answer uh, this week sometime to see if USC has come around. I know we've, when we've asked it, they said they're not quite ready to make all those announcements yet. So, and I do think they can't do that until they get them, uh, they get them uh, accepted into graduate school. So, uh, but it should be about time that, that they, they, because they're all three, going to be on the defensive side. They're, they're hiring no graduate assistants. I mean, they know who they're going after, who they expect to be in, and they're all going to help on defense. Uh, and I think they're considering Ross more of a uh, special teams guy, although he's really working with the outside linebackers yeah. uh, a lot. I mean, that's his, his role. But uh, uh, good question, and we will get you the answer as soon as it's, as it's official. 
Okay. Um, yeah, we'll we'll find out what we can for and get back to that. Uh, Melvin had a question. He wants to know: Do you think that Coach Kiffin will soon have to list Cody Kessler, Max Wittick, or Max Brown as the number one starter or as the number one for the QB position for fall reps and practice? in preparation for the season opener and not maintain this position of listing all three as co-starters. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's hard with three. Uh, I think it's worked really, and it's, you know, it's been unfortunate for Max Wittick that he gets the knee in, uh, in spring ball. Then he ends up with mono now. So you have, you basically had a two quarterback system and that works really well. And Cody has gotten more, probably more reps than, uh, than Max, which probably works out well also. Uh, how that goes if there's three is a problem. I don't think there's any question. Three doesn't work as well uh, in terms of getting reps, in terms of just identifying who's your go-to guy. Uh, it, it you know certainly worked out in the spring, and it's working out now that Cody's the go-to guy. I mean, Cody's Cody's in charge. I don't think there's any question about it. If you didn't know, you know, whether he hasn't started a game, you know, in his career, you wouldn't have any idea watching the way practice goes and watching how they, you know, run the play. Cody runs it first. Uh, He and Max, you know, work together really well. Max Brown worked together really well. Uh, I, I think it's a really good question, and I don't know that we've gotten a good answer yet in terms of how you go with three. Uh, I know Cody has said that he's not at all worried if they continue, you know, having the competition open all year long, uh, which is a great attitude. I, I think Max Wittig kind of more said he'd prefer to have it, you know, kind of decided. Uh, I think Max Brown, I think, has proven in his case that I think that the thing that the coaches really needed to have answered for him in spring was, is Max Brown ready to be the backup? I think without a question, everybody has decided absolutely he's ready to be the backup. How that all works out, you know, two quarterbacks, I think works really well. Three doesn't. Uh, It's going to be, you know, one of the early challenges, I think, for Coach Kiffin to, uh, to decide how this goes, you know, if the mono is more serious than it looks and, and, and looking at Cody the other day, he was in the McKay Center, but, you know, look, didn't look unhealthy at all. Uh, I don't, you know, if he's, if he's really slowed up this, um, this uh, summer, where does that, you know, put him and, you know, he's not able to redshirt anymore. So, uh, so I don't know how that, you know, affects him. But, uh, but I think the two wor- is working well. I'm not sure about how they do it with three. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, they, when I was in Chicago, I did some Yahoo Sports Radio, and they were asking about that as well. Uh, it's tough. It's tough, I think, with three quarterbacks, and all the talk of is someone going to transfer? How's this going to work out? Um, it's something to stay tuned for. I mean, we, we can not we can tell you what we think, but it, usually what Lane Kiffins does, can uh, it tends to surprise us, I guess you could say, Dad. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, I mean, there are all kinds of sense of, uh, you know, how did they decide last year's backup, you know, uh, you know, basically a flip-flop. You know, Cody was the backup two years ago uh, as a true freshman. 
uh, and Max was a backup this year as, as redshirt, you know, or excuse me, is in there. Um, uh, so he flip flopped ahead of ahead of Cody this uh, this you know, this last season in 2012, uh, and you know there were all kinds of you know thoughts about how exactly was that you know call made and what was going on. Uh, I think uh, Cody decided I'm going to compete for it, come back in, in the spring and compete for it and not take off where there were all kinds of rumors. And he said, Can't, you know, he didn't understand where the rumors were that he was taking off. And then the rumors have flip-flopped. And now, I, you know, Max is going to take off. And I know this was uh, the first coaches tour this summer at Newport Beach last week. There's Max, you know, uh, Wittick with, uh, with uh, you know, Coach Kevin at uh, – you know, back home in, you know, Orange County. Uh, so, you know, a lot of the rumors probably aren't, aren't worth listening to, but, uh, it, you know, how exactly this plays out, uh, I don't know. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know exactly how uh, how the decision gets made. I mean, I think Lane, you know, talked about having uh, issues with wondering with was Cody, you know, big enough to run the entire offense or was his arm big enough? And I think that it just seemed like it didn't make a lot of sense, to be honest with you. Cody's probably easily over 6'2". You know, if there's any difference between him and, 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 and Barkley, I, I don't think there is. Cody's had a, had a kind of growth spurt since he got to USC. He's also got tremendously long arms and big hands. I mean, this is a kid that could dunk a basketball when he's in eighth grade. So uh, his ability to – I mean, you don't see – Pace is getting batted down. I mean, and he's got that kind of, you know, escapability with his feet that, that pretty much allows him to find throwing lanes. Uh, so I think, and he's thrown the, you know, the long ball, you know, really well. Uh, and so I think most of those questions have been answered. So, uh, so now I best, basically it's uh, decision-making, you know, not turning the ball over, all of that kind of thing. So, uh, so we'll see how that goes. But, uh, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, uh, any more size or uh, uh, big arm. I think those, those uh, possible, you know, in terms of determinants as to who's going to be the quarterback, I don't think those are a factor anymore. Although, you know, obviously, when Ryan, Ryan when you put the, uh, the uh, uh, head cam on Max Wittick <laughs> and you watch him, just you can feel the power when he throws a football. I mean, there's an explosiveness there and, and just a power. I'm not sure anybody in the country has a stronger arm playing quarterback than, than Max Wittick. I mean, it's just, uh, there's an, he, it's just an impressive just velocity as that ball, you know, would come off of his shoulder past the, you know, the camera. Uh, it's just, uh, he, he, you know, he's, he's in a place where there aren't very many people or in, in the same place with that kind of an arm. So, uh, Makes it makes it interesting. Don't know how that goes, but uh, but I do think the ability to extend uh, a series, uh, not turn it over, keep the ball, you know, not make mistakes, uh, run the huddle efficiently. I mean, one of the things they're doing, even you know, with new quarterbacks, is they're getting out of the huddle quicker, and they're running plays quicker. And that's a, a a plus. USC was down at the bottom, you know, basically tied with, I guess, Colorado for the fewest plays in the Pac-12 uh, offensive plays per game. And uh, I, I think that's going to change. I think when you've got the kind of offensive weapons USC has, you have to um, 
you have to run more plays. I mean, if you, you know, if you don't have enough, you know, plays to get the ball to both, uh, you know, Robert Woods, who's like the most uh, impressive, you know, rookie wide receiver in the NFL now, uh, you know, and you didn't have enough plays to getting the ball last year, something's wrong. You got to be able to get him the ball. You got to be able to get Nelson Aguilar the ball. That means you got to run more plays. You got to run them quicker. And that means you got to run them more efficiently, and you can't turn the ball over. Uh, all of that has to factor in, I think, as to who your quarterback is. Uh, one last thing, Dan. Uh, this is this actually came up last week. Coach Harvey Hyde was kind of he went well, kind of he went on a rant about these summer workouts, and you know, when he, back in his day, he didn't want his players throwing the football around too much. He said they they don't really get much of a break. And he's saying there's just too much of it. And then all of a sudden this happens to Stephen Mitchell during one of these summer workouts. I want to see if you feel there's what you're and We talked to Coach Hyde about this. But I want to think what, what you felt the value is of, of these workouts. And is it a little too much or do you think it's the, the right thing to do? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, they did take three weeks off. So it wasn't like, you know, they don't take any time off. And uh, I think one of the things that the kids were saying is the difference in this year's team is this team came back in shape, you know, as he said, normally the first week back, they'd really be sucking, you know, air, you know, they'd be like, Oh my God, how, you know, how long is it going to take us to get back into shape from everything you heard? It didn't take any time at all. So, uh, that basically most of these guys had, had kept on working out on their own. I'm not sure. I think that train may have left the station, you know, in terms of we're not going to, you know, work them out all year round, you know? I mean, you think Alabama's not working them out all year round, you know? I mean, uh, uh, I, I don't know that there's any, um, you know, any option here. I mean, you got to be, I mean, you got to give them their time off, I think, without a doubt, just to stay fresh mentally as much as anything. But, you know, look at how, you know, Major League Baseball was 50 years ago where those guys were getting, you know, getting, uh, you know, winter jobs so they could, you know, support their family and, and all of that. I mean, it's just, or, you know, the NFL was the same way. And now, you know, basically it's a year-round year round business in every, uh, pretty much every sport. Um, I mean, uh, I, I just think, you know, it's going to happen, but I don't think there's a way of saying, you know, we're going to go back and uh, and not do it that way. Now, should there be more focus on uh, exactly uh, the differences between uh, working out on artificial turf and working out on uh, on uh, you know the grass at at Howard Jones as opposed to Cromwell? Uh, and uh, you know, do they have to consider uh, you know shoe choices and uh, uh, and just, you know, talk to the kids about, you know, the ideas of, of, of you know, how the shoe might, you know, might, there might not be the give on Cromwell Field and there, that there might be on, uh, on uh, uh, you know, on Howard Jones. Uh, I think that's a possibility that, that maybe they don't, you know, I'm a shoe guy and I'm a, you know, pay attention to their feet. And a lot of times you would like to see them make sure they've got it exactly uh, where it needs to be. Uh, you know, to go back and forth uh, uh, between the two fields, uh, which they do. I mean, and, you know, if it's going to rain a little bit, the chances are they're going to be on Cromwell, not, you know, tear up Howard Jones. You know, Howard Jones with the grass is more forgiving. It's the best grass we've seen. And Cromwell's, you know, brand new turf, uh, which could be, 
maybe a bad thing is it doesn't, you know, have as much give or it doesn't have as much play in it as, uh, uh, you know, as a uh, as an older turf. Uh, so, you know, a lot of things to consider, whether they are able to consider all of those. I don't know. These kids are really, you know, really going hard. And I don't know how you tell them not to. I think with this young team, with the new quarterbacks and all of that, and new coaches, I do think it's really a benefit for them to be out there. I mean, I think that, you know, running all the stuff they're running and, and, and doing it in 11-11 and 7-on-7, I think it's really, a, you know, a, a great benefit. Now, Stephen was hurt in one-on-one. Uh, you know, do you maybe, uh, you know, amp that back a little bit or just tell them, you know, the one-on-one, you know, really maybe there's a limit to how, how far you push yourself uh, in something like that. But uh, and I don't think we're going to go back to uh, – you know, only, you know, doing football half the year. I just think that's not going to happen uh, at all. All right. Uh, well, thanks, Dan. Appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing all the insights. Uh, unfortunately, obviously, some bad news came out of uh, last week. We'll keep uh, keep going to these workouts and keep reporting on what's going on. And, again, thanks very much for uh, coming on. I enjoyed it very much. We'll see you tomorrow. All right. Sounds good, Dan. Everyone else, thank you very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We really appreciate you downloading our little show and we'll see you all next week you've been listening to the Peristyle podcast presented by uscfootball.com be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on trojan football and recruiting and don't forget you can automatically download the podcast directly to your ipod or mp3 player for free Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.